you're listening to Ask the Planner, I'm your host, Desiree Adams, owner of Verb Event Co., a company whose mission is to help couples enjoy planning the contemporary, sophisticated wedding they've always imagined. Together with other wedding industry experts, we reveal the crucial details and industry secrets that will help you plan and enjoy your flawless heirloom occasion. So pop your favorite champagne because we have a wedding to plan. Today's episode is brought to you by our Ask the Planner wedding planning template shop. Regardless of where you are in the wedding planning journey, our template shop has wedding planning shortcuts created just for you. Our most popular item is the ultimate wedding planning checklist for couples, no surprise there, and the wedding mood board template. The checklist is a game changer that tells you what to do when as you plan your wedding. And for all my decor-obsessed couples and fellow wedding pros, the Wedding Mood Board template organizes that messy Pinterest board into a cohesive decor plan. For my wedding pros out there, my styled shoot, photo, shot list, and timeline is also just for you. Get access to all wedding planning shortcuts and more in the Wedding Planning Template Shop at shop.verveventco.com. Again, that's shop.verveventco.com. Make sure you use the code PODCAST10 for 10% off your entire purchase. Again, use the code PODCAST10 at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. Welcome to today's episode of Ask the Planner. Now that season three is here, I know many of you all are new listeners, so I wanted to revisit a topic that is arguably one of the most important elements when planning your wedding, which is picking your wedding venue. Now, this episode is going to dive deep into the minute details that can often get swept up during the excitement of picking a venue, but trust me, you're going to want to hear these details from these guests today. Today, I'm joined by Courtney and Dana of Anthem House, a team of planners with a combined experience of over 50 years based in North Carolina. They have partnered together to give their clients an all-inclusive luxury planning experience. Their passions lie in the intentional details of their client's day, seamless logistics, and meaningful connections. Their team approach allows them to be uniquely creative, efficient, and harmonious throughout all aspects of the planning process. And today, we're discussing one of the most important decisions that they make with their clients, which is choosing their wedding venue. So guys, please help me welcome Courtney and Dana to the show. Guys, thank you so much for joining me today. I can't wait to chat. Yeah, we're so excited to be here. Thanks Thanks for for having having us. us. So first, I love starting each episode getting to know our guests a little bit before we dive into the interview. I read your bio at the top, but I'd love for you to tell our listeners in your own words a little bit more about you, how you both got started, and what you brought you guys to where you are today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've been in the industry for, I think, going on 18 years, honestly, now. But we got started because we were looking for a wedding venue for Dana to get married at in 2005. And we couldn't find one that checked all of the boxes. So we thought, you know, it'd be fun is opening up a wedding venue. Mm -hmm. And we decided at that point, we knew nothing about weddings besides planning our own. So we were going to become event planners as a form of market research. And that began our first business, which was C&D Events. We did that for five, six years purchase some property, decided it was time to like reprise the venue opening dream. Our next thing that we opened was the Bradford that opened in 2014. We then launched Hustle and Gather, mm-hmm. I believe our seeking and consulting firm. So kind of just taking some of the tips and tricks that we've learned along the way and kind of imparting that on other business owners that have had 
or similar different points in their journey, you know, kind of earlier points. There were things that kind of mystified us at the time, kind of demystifying those things. And then we added on um, Anthem House, which is our luxury event planning company, which is that we uh, specialize in multi-celebration weekends. So our clients typically do like welcome parties and rehearsal dinners and weddings and brunches and whatnot with us. So that launched next. And then we also have our C&D event management group that just mm-hmm. does kind of the bread and butter day of logistics. So we wear lots of hats, manage <laughs> lots of teams, um, but that's kind of... But we're very entrenched in the industry. I think yeah. that's what's important is, you know, from the very beginning, I think the whole point is we knew how important a venue was and we wanted to create that perfect venue and backdrop for clients because it ultimately steers so much of your wedding. So we're really excited to talk about this today because we feel super passionate about it, owning a venue and then also being at hundreds of venue every single year. Yes, yeah, so I think we have a unique perspective. Like we see it from both angles, mm-hmm. from the planner angle, from the consumer angle, and then also from the owner, venue owner angle, like things that we've learned along the way. Owning a venue is different than when you're just working at a venue. So I love that. And I think it's so smart. It's so there's so many things to, to just touch on that you guys just talked about. But like the one thing that stands out the most is I think you guys having done the market research as planners before opening up the venue, I get frustrated when venues open up and they haven't talked to anyone in the industry and they're missing like seemingly obvious things or Mm -hmm. things that like what else is missing that, that people hate that we should incorporate into our venue. So going into that, I think is obviously very, very smart. Did you always think that you were going to become business partners like growing up? Like how far apart are you guys in age? We're like two and a half years-ish. I mean, we're always like very partner in crime-ish. Like we spent a lot of time together. We were close growing up. And I always joke that we Mm -hmm. started a business as my way of like getting my tentacles into Dana's adult life. Like I was like, she's never leaving me and we're going to, I'm going to secure this by opening a business that we can both never leave. So yeah, but I wanted to be a teacher from the time I was five. I wanted to be a doctor. I mean, I had Mm -hmm. no desire to be an entrepreneur. (laughs) I had no thought I was ever going to go into the hospitality Mm -hmm. industry Mm -hmm. at all. So it's kind of was a big, Mm -hmm. a little Mm -hmm. bit of a shock. I think I always had the entrepreneurial bug and I think it's like genetics kind of runs in our Mm -hmm. family, but I didn't have any clear vision for what that was going to be. Yeah. It's been a ride. All that to say. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I feel, I feel like the same way. I did not intend to, you know, run my own business and have all these different hats. I was just like, I'm just going to plan amazing events and you know, awesome. Okay. Well, we can talk all about that on another day. <laughs> so we're talking today about the venue search and the dream wedding, which I already talked about was a great topic because as you know, and we'll cover it today, it, it influences so much of the wedding itself and the experience that the guests have. And obviously it can become a, a early point of stress for couples just in the beginning, because there is just so much to think about and to consider. So I think it's great that we're going to prepare our listeners for this venue search process. So I want to start off with asking you guys, for our couples that are just starting out the planning process, why is choosing the right venue so crucial in the beginning of the process when they're planning their wedding? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I know, I think it's (laughs) many reasons. And I think you got to get back to what is your purpose and what you're planning, like, is it aesthetic? I mean, oftentimes if aesthetic is your main thing, the venue can totally drive that aesthetic mm-hmm. 100%, right? But I think it's to me, like the real reason that I think the venue, choosing the right venue for you is comes really down to budget. Mm-hmm. 
that I think that so much of your budget is wrapped up in your venue and not just like specific venue cost, although there is that, and that probably is a large chunk of your budget, but also like, what does that venue provide? Like, what does that money pay for? What vendors are you required to use while getting married there? Like, for example, at our venue, there is a closed catering list. You have to choose off that catering list. Mm-hmm. So if you came to our venue and you had the idea that your you know, aunt's uncle's cousin was going to cater your event, like we're not going to be the space for you because you're not going to be able to use that caterer to get married here. Same thing with if they require a planner or they don't require a planner. I personally think all venues should require a planner, but that's obviously another line item in your budget, right? So thinking through like how that drives the cost, I think is really important. Yeah. And I own like our biggest thing in general, and one of the cornerstones of our business is hospitality. And I really feel like how you feel in this space can make or break a day. Mm -hmm. Just that the staff is warm and welcoming that you feel comfortable being there. It's a, there is, there's not a lot of obstacles to get around. Your guests feel comfortable. It's not hard to find. It's not hard to navigate. There's ample restrooms, like all these things I think will positively and negatively impact how you view your day. So there's all these kind of nuances that we look at when we're like from the planning side, when we're talking to clients, trying to parse out like, what is it that that's important to them? Some of them budget isn't important because they have tons of money, right? And some of them is like budget is super important, but also my number two is that I want this kind of aesthetic or I want my guests to feel this way when they walk in. And you have to kind of figure out how to marry those two things. And I think for us, like the hardest thing is when you have a client that comes to you after picking a venue and they give you this plan, I want all these things. And you look at the venue they chose and it just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Like whether it doesn't make sense financially, doesn't make sense aesthetically, whatever the reason you're just like, how did you get to this point (laughs) after this? So I think it really just kind of sets the ball. It like starts the ball rolling in your planning process ultimately, I think. Yeah, I agree. And then, so as planners, what is your opinion on if couples should book the planner first or the Mm -hmm. venue first? I know I have my opinion, but. (laughs) I mean, I personally think ideally they would pick the planner first and that you would be able to wrap all, you'd be able to get your Mm -hmm. client's vision and their budget and be able to kind of steer them in the direction that's going to accomplish those things. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, you know, like as a planner, you've done this hundreds and hundreds of times, right? Like you're in the middle of it in the day to day. For these people, it's their first time maybe their second time depends on the client. Right. But they don't do this every day. So they don't, you know, they don't really understand. All right. Enough. And I think oftentimes people pick a venue because it was an emotional decision and it becomes a very impractical decision in their mm-hmm. actual event plan. Mm-hmm. But I do also understand that full service yeah. isn't something that everybody either can afford or is looking for. And so if you do book your venue first, the very next vendor you should book is your planner. Whether even if it's an event management, Mm -hmm. those event management typically Mm -hmm. have great recommendations, give you great vendor lists, and really utilize their expertise as much as possible. I mean, I completely agree with all of these things for the obvious reasons, but streamlining the process for the couple, if they choose the planner first, will just make the venue selection process so much easier for, Mm -hmm. you know, for so many reasons. Budget, aesthetics, all that kind of stuff. So you're not wasting time. But yeah, I mean, I've figured you would say that just you know maybe you could have a different opinion okay so let's get on with your tips as far as your advice for our listeners when they're if they're venue shopping right now what would you tell them that they should be doing or thinking about 
Well, I think the first thing is understanding what your budget is, understanding your guest count and giving yourself a little bit of some flexibility with it. I think rigidity is really hard when you're venue shopping saying like, by all means, I'm inviting 150 people, like give yourself a little bit of a range. Cause there's going to be one venue that you might love. That's 125. And, you know, so when you're looking out, kind of give yourself a little bit of flexibility there. But I also think that venue shopping and that we've have felt this at the venue, like when you have someone and they just, they're over it. They're just over it because they've been to like 15 places. Mm-hmm. They're exhausted. They're tired. And then they just, a lot of times make a decision because they don't want to look anymore. And so to me, I, my advice is like, don't get to that point that you really should be narrowing down your options to your three top choices. And those are the three that you should be visiting. And if for some reason those three don't work out, you kind of go back to the drawing board, figure out why they didn't work out, change your search parameters, hone in a little bit, take a little bit of a break, and then go back and pick only three more. But these people that do these marathon weekends, they just, it all gets blurry and they forget, you know, information. They forget why they liked someplace. And so it just gets a little too overwhelming. And I also think people are like panicked. Right. So I've noticed that in the last couple of years, it's the panic has set in because the dates get taken so quickly and things book out so quickly. And you're like, we're almost completely booked for 2023. Like there's not like a Saturday from, I don't know, like March to December or something. So it induces panic. So I think in that respect, I think you just got to narrow down what's most important to you. Is it the date? Is it the venue? Is it the location? And then be flexible around those things and then start being logical, right? Mm -hmm. Like For the last couple of years, people have amassed a ton of PTO, a ton of time off. Like it doesn't really necessarily matter if it's happening on a Saturday for those people that you care about and whatnot. It's not going to matter if it's a Tuesday or a Wednesday. So creating some flexibility around that and taking the panic out of it, I think is important Mm -hmm. at this particular point, if you're looking for a venue. Yeah. And I think it's really important that you are bringing up that point about the panic or the hoarding or just like worrying about not getting, you know, rushing into it and making an emotional decision. Because, yeah, I think one of the things we do as planners and not to be like, this is why planners are awesome, but (laughs) since we're talking about the venue, you know, having someone that helps us stay grounded, whether it's like your friend or a planner and helping you not make an emotional decision and making a more logical decision that's based on budget, parameter, like the three priorities that you have, I think is very important. Not making it an emotional decision, I think is a really, really good point that you guys mm-hmm. are sharing with us. Awesome. Okay. So avoiding, you know, panic or emotional decisions what would you say if there are any red flags that couples should be looking out for when they're selecting their venues, what would you advise them to, to look out for? Well, my two biggest things is when I'm talking to a client is pay attention to how the person giving you a tour, how your interaction with the venue, how do they make you feel? And a lot of times, because we're compassionate people and we can, you know, explain away, oh, someone was rude, maybe they were having a bad day or whatnot, but Ultimately, what I have found is you don't know if they're going to have a bad day on your wedding, right? That how they, that very first interaction, does it give you the warm fuzzies or does it make you feel kind of like, oh, I'm just not sure. That's one. And then the other is to me when they're not upfront, like if you, I've been on many venue tours with clients and I say, Hey, do you have any additional fees that we need to be aware of? And they're like, Oh, well, I mean, there's like the traditional ones. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> like what's a traditional fee to mm-hmm. you, which is very different from a traditional fee to somebody else. Right. So when they're trying, like when they're just not being upfront about what the actual cost is going to be, it always, always, always bites you in the butt afterwards because you get this like, Oh, 
we upcharge your rentals. Oh, we charge your caterer. Oh, we charge your planner. We charge your florist. And at the end of the day, you've amassed this six, $7,000 in additional fees that you were not prepared for. So big red flags when they're just not up front. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Wouldn't be hidden fees. And also I think another red flag to me is kind of like catfishing. Mm-hmm. Like when you get to a venue and the picture is not lining up with what you're seeing, right? right? Like they haven't been honest about what's surrounding or like what the grounds look like or whatnot is don't believe any picture over what you're seeing in reality. Mm-hmm. Don't believe it's going to be improved upon when it becomes your wedding day. I think a lot of people, we've gotten stuck in this with other venues and we've been that venue before mm-hmm. where it's like, Hey, we have these plans to do X, Y, Z. And we've always told the clients, if you don't, we, this is our plan, right? We have every intention of this following through, but the life happens, the world happens. We had plans in 2020 that ended up being a little bit different, you know, because, well, there was a pandemic that we couldn't have anticipated. If you don't love it as it is right now, don't book it. Mm -hmm. Don't book it on the future hope that it's going to be something different. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, I guess the red flag. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. The thing that I think of is I always ask them about the guest count and the capacity. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes people will, like venues will, oh, sure, we can fit that many people. We do it all the time. But I'm like, can you? And if like, I always just ask for a floor plan, like, can I just see it mm-hmm. so I can I can feel good? Like, I don't care if it's for our event, but if you've done it before, you know, squeezing in like 350 people when it should really, really be like 250 or 275, mm-hmm. I feel like it's, it's just like the worst experience ever. And then yeah. just, yeah, no. Educate yourself a little bit, right? So understanding that I think it's like 15 square feet per person is what mm-hmm. you want to have available. And so you can easily do the math, right? So if you are if you have 100 people, you want at least 1,500 square feet. So understanding just some basic parameters mm-hmm. so that when someone's sitting in front of you and saying, oh, I have a 2,000 square foot building and sure, we can fit 300 people, you're just like, mm, that doesn't really make any logical sense at all. And, and just like you said, asking for a floor plan is a great idea, but also ask if there's more than just that one floor plan. A lot of places they'll say, oh, we can fit 250 people, but this is the only floor plan that'll fit. And it's these long cafeteria style tables. And maybe that's not what you want. Maybe you envisioned a very different head table, maybe envisioned round tables, right? So understanding what the parameters of that and them being very truthful, them saying, and instead of saying like, yeah, we can fit 200 people, but there's only one way that it works. And this is the way that it works. Otherwise our sweet spot is 150, you know? Right. Yeah. Those are really good points. And like also like band or DJ, like do you need like a place for mm-hmm. a stage right. or is it, you know, much smaller? Yeah. Those are really great, great points. Okay. So we talked a lot on this a little bit, but let's come back to it. So when considering budget, I feel like this is always something that we just, it's like never done until the wedding's over, but balancing costs versus aesthetics, how do you advise your couples when they're selecting their venue? How are they going to balance both of those things? Well, I feel like don't discount it before you run the numbers. Like we have several venues in the area that are pretty inexpensive. You know, there might be three, four or 5,000, but to get the aesthetic that my client might be needing, it's another 10 to $15,000 in infrastructure. That's going directly, even though it doesn't feel like it to that venue line item, it's going directly to making that venue what you need it to be, to be the space to fulfill your design dreams. So even though it might be a little bit pricey, if it's spot on aesthetically, it's probably actually going to end up saving you money in the end. Mm -hmm. So I think that you need to look through all of the options and need to have kind of an eyes wide 
open approach to it and make sure that you're looking at apples to apples and not trying to compare like, you know, an apple to a strawberry and not considering the, you know, $5,000 in pipe and drape and the $5,000 in extra lighting and the, oh, the portable bathroom that you have to bring in. And the fact that you have to like pay for parking offsite and transporting everybody in, you know, like all those things. I think some people just get right. enamored with this low number, realizing it's really not providing them much mm-hmm. than maybe or maybe not AC and some four walls, mm-hmm. you know? I know. I remember one of the first uh, Maybe backyards. tables and chairs. Right. <laughs> that you don't want. Right. I, rem- I remember the right. very right. first, so, like, what were you say? I, say? I remember the very first backyard wedding that we did and I was talking to the dad and he just was like, he's like, I just honestly thought this was going to be so much cheaper mm-hmm. than going to a venue. And it was nowhere near cheaper than going to a venue. And I was like, well, yeah, even though the land is free, but everything else isn't and all the stuff that you needed to create this beautiful room that your daughter and, you know, now son-in-law wanted was expensive. So I think that there's just this mentality of if it's cheaper or if it's like somewhere that it's like, again, free land or a tent in the backyard. I mean, how many times have you heard that? Like, oh, it's just a tent in the backyard. It's simple. It'll be no big deal. You're like, that's, there's nothing simple about that. You know, it doesn't necessarily right. mean that it's no, I know. Be cheaper. Or even like less work because I think people think it's less, oh, it's, it's at my house. It'll be less work because we, you know, we're here all the time. It's like the opposite. Um, yeah, it's totally opposite. But yes, we can talk about that in another episode. The misconceptions of a backyard wedding, which I mean can oh be gosh. gorgeous, but definitely no, not no. necessarily easier or less expensive because you own it. So It always ends up being way more expensive okay. because they end up doing all this extra landscaping to make it what it needs to be and whatnot. Yes. Renovating a bathroom. Renovating something yeah. and then – which is fine on one hand. Right. And we always tell people concerning – if you are concerning or thinking about doing a backyard as your venue – if it's always been your dream, like you are like a, you know, father of the bride, like that was your dream wedding, right? Then go for it. Mm -hmm. It's going to cost you, right? Mm -hmm. Do it by all means. But if it's, if you're doing it to save money, you're doing it for the wrong reason. I completely agree. You know, making, I think that's a, you bring up a good point, which is if you're making that decision based on cost alone, it's not Mm -hmm. a good reason. But if you have other reasons like sentimental reasons, um, then, you know, exploring it further further makes sense. Okay. So, we touched on this a little bit, going back to the additional fees. You know, I feel like as a planner, I have learned to read a contract like an attorney would and like trying to read all the fine print, what does this all mean, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I love it when they have things like the cake cutting fee or whatever, the service charge. But then sometimes like things are like, like that are not included. And then you have to ask what else is included? So when you guys are looking at a contract or you know doing your site visit, are there additional fees that you specifically ask about or are there things that we definitely need to tell couples to look for or ask about that might not be included in the contract? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it's pretty standard to have a catering fee. Most caterers pay like it's like a 10% um, back to the venue. And there's a couple of venues in the area that don't advertise that and they hide it. And it's a bill to the uh, caterer, but then ultimately gets passed to the client. I think any, to me, I always ask, is there any fee on a vendor that I have to bring that that I'm bringing in? Like, are you charging them a percentage on what I like on their service that they're providing me? If you're getting Mm -hmm. rentals through them, Mm -hmm. ask if they're upcharging, is there a fee of a service fee for those that rental? 
right? Because I mean, for me as a planner, when I'm making this budget, I can say, okay, well, normally it's about $27 per person for rentals for like a mid mid range kind of options. But if I have a venue that I have to get all my rentals through, I'm, I'm, it's more like $40 per person because they're, I know they're going to charge me out the wazoo like for it. So just Mm -hmm. understanding like any vendor that you use, if they're, if they're, uh, if it's built through them, if there's an upcharge for it, or if they're doing it kind of like a charge back, I guess I would say. Yeah. And I, I think to Dana's point, anytime that you see that a venue has some exclusivity with a certain vendor mm-hmm. or they are billing something through them for a certain vendor, rest assured you're being upcharged. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, for sure. Yeah, it's right. true. If they're going through the effort like of inputting your rentals line by line for a rental company and then charging you for them, like you're getting charged for that because mm-hmm. they're not doing that for free. Right. You know, right. Every venue has yeah. figured out their formula for how they want to make money. And for some venues, that's how they make money. Like they might have a lower entry fee and they might have all these other fees on top of it that kind of get into that number. So I think getting back to, you know, getting the apples to apples, whenever we are find ourselves as planners in those situations, we will do budgets of maybe three or four different venues that we're looking at and work up the budget for all Mm -hmm. of them. And oftentimes, like when you're kind of looking in the same area, they don't end up differing that much Mm -hmm. because while this rental fee might be less, the rentals and the catering fee and the alcohol might be more and it makes up for that. Whereas this one, you might be able to bring in your own alcohol and your own rentals, but their fees a little bit more. So it kind of makes up for that. So I think making sure you're doing those comparisons before making the decision. And I would definitely say that like, if it's a venue that you're like, for us, if it's a venue I'm not super familiar with or haven't worked there in like a year or two before we sign a contract, I was like, can I see a proposal for 125 people, especially if it's all-inclusive, what the, we want a tier Mm -hmm. two package, basic buffet meal, give me tier one linens. What is that going to look like? And so that we have a very clear picture and say, okay, this is your base. Now it could get very much more expensive if you want steak as opposed to chicken, or if you want velvet linens as opposed to poly linens, but let's understand that this is where we're starting from Mm -hmm. because that is shocking. All inclusive venues will shock you. Right. Um, because they'll, And they'll say, oh, the food and beverage minimum is only $20,000. A lot of people just say, okay, it's $20,000. That's not the case. That is your minimum. So you have to reach. No. Most, most of you, if you're, you're inviting over 100 people, it's going to be $30,000, $40,000. So it's just all in the way, making sure that you right. get a true proposal and understand what you're spending your money on. Because I think people not understanding what a minimum is or even like if there's a minimum guest count – like how those things can affect what you guys brought up, which is like, this is just basically a starting price. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking about your specific wedding, is it going to be that starting price is going to be much higher than that? It's very something that you should definitely think about. Okay. So we're going to start wrapping up. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on as far as like selecting the venue or thinking about it that we haven't touched on before we start to wrap up? I think one of the things to think about is your wedding is one day and probably a celebratory weekend. So you want to be thinking about the things that are surrounding that venue. Is is there easy connection to the highway, easy connection to the airport? Are you able to find hotels in a relatively nearby area? Can you find a spot that you want to do your rehearsal dinner at or if you want to have an after party? Like all of these things are things to consider when booking your venue because you're, you're creating a guest experience from the time that they land wherever you're having your wedding to whenever they leave and you want to be thinking through all the things that your guests can do or will be doing or will be experiencing beside your wedding. 
Yeah. I think that's great advice. That's definitely something that like, even when we have people that come to our venue and I can tell it's not quite like they're, they, they're, they want this really awesome urban downtown vibe and our house is beautiful, but it's not downtown, right? you know? And so for me, it's like, mm-hmm. you're not going to end up being happy here. You're going to always feel like you compromise something to be at this venue and, you know, you more than happy to have you here, but if that's ultimately your, where you want to go, where you want your guests to be, you want them to be available for downtown bars and stuff like this just isn't the best fit. So I think understanding again, like not making those emotional decisions, understanding what your vision is and what is the most important. Is it your guest experience? Is it the aesthetic? What that looks like? Is it the getting ready? I mean, no, understand what the getting ready rules are, are, right? Like a lot of venues, you can't get until one. That means you're getting ready. Even, even if they have a beautiful bridal suite and groom suite, or, or dressing suite, then you still can't, you're not, you're going to be getting ready in a hotel because one o'clock isn't enough time to get your hair and makeup done mm-hmm. before a three o'clock first look. Right. So really understanding what that is and like right, following, right. when you're falling in love with the right things that it makes sense with what your priorities are. Yeah. Those are great points. Okay. So one of the things, this is one of my last questions and then we'll do our, uh, our new segment called this or that. But one question I love asking our guests, um, because you're the experts, is there something like a, a detail or a piece of advice that you think is surprising that you always like want to tell your couples that you feel like no one ever tells people that would be surprising or interesting to our listeners? Like something that they probably haven't, you know, thought of like a little tip. Well, uh, for me, I think paper goes a long way. I think um, it is mm-hmm. the difference between a okay design to a great design. And a lot of times people don't put a, a lot of weight in paper and in signage, but I think it's a really neat way to elevate your event. And I think it's always put on the back burner to the end, like, oh, if I have time or, oh, if we have some extra money. But I think that a lot of times paper can go further than florals and like really setting that tone for your event. So that's, mm-hmm. that's one thing I always, I, I'm a paper person. I love paper. So <laughs> that's the thing that I love. I love paper too. I mean, I love it all, but I do love paper. <laughs> well, it's also that's like wild Courtney things. Like I think it's interesting because you can get, I think more with paper than with floral as far as like, because flowers, you just need so much more because it's like on all the tables. But if you want to set a nice tone in the invitation, like even like very nice luxury invitations are still going to probably be less expensive than mm-hmm. all of the flowers. So that's actually yeah. a really good point. Did you want to add anything? Paper's great. I was going to say that, and I've, I've told my clients this before, that don't sign on to do anything mm-hmm. your week of the wedding or the week's two weeks leading up to the wedding, unless it's going to bring you joy or reduce stress. If you're doing something, any other reason than that, like to save money or to make it easier to unburden somebody, don't do it. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to get to that moment and you're going to have nothing but regret because it goes so fast. And it's again, not just about that day, but it's this kind of reunion that happens days before. And you're, you don't want to resent any aspect of Mm -hmm. your wedding. Right. So unless there's something that you're like, this is the way that I de-stress on the regular. So I'm definitely going to be doing this on my wedding week. Don't sign up to do it. I think that's a great point because it's, it's like, that's like crunch. I mean, usually sometimes like when I'm working with my clients, that's when they're like just ready to be done and just like mm-hmm. get here. And I think you're right. If they're adding things to the to their plate that isn't going to make it more fun or special or memorable, then don't deal with it because it's that's right. that's no fun. <laughs> okay. So for the last portion of our chat, we're going to do a new segment called This or That. 
And so you just tell me what comes to your mind first. And you can have different answers. All right. First one. Do you like surprises or do you prefer spoilers? In TV, I prefer spoilers because I have it gives me anxiety. Or books. I go to the end of a book yeah. sometimes. I'm like, is this person still alive? <laughs> Can you? See, I, I can't do that. I have to like. I have to like wait. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's just so interesting. Like my sister would always be the one that would be like, "Do you want to know what I got you for Christmas?" And I'm like, "No, I want to. Oh, I, I don't want to see that. it yeah. when I'm opening it." Yeah. See? No, but I, she's the I one like, that's I like. I want to. She just like loves yeah. to know. Yeah. I have to tell you, yeah. Dana planned my. But books, I still couldn't do. No, <laughs> yeah, I have to know. Dana planned my uh, half fortieth birthday at the venue. It was in March, and it was couched oh, in a. That's so cute styled shoot and whatnot like mm-hmm. with all these are and we were supposed to get our photos <laughs> taken so I had like hair and makeup done and all that and like the team yeah. was there and I mean I uh-huh. literally had no idea I was like totally surprised and shocked and oh. it was I was like what is going when I walked in there I was like there's a lot of vendors here for this styled shoot like there's so many cars like, like why must, is there so many lights must be a good one <laughs> but yeah it was so so that was super fun like, I feel like I very rarely we're redoing our website no I love that um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is so cute. That is so sweet. Okay. At the wedding, kids or no kids? No, no kids. kids. We have kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have them. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm like, no, I, I'm happy for an excuse to have a fun night without the kids. How old are your mm-hmm. kids? Mine are old. Mine are 10 and 12. And 13, 11, and 8. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fine, like, especially when, like, mm-hmm. maybe if you already have kids together or maybe if it's mm-hmm. a second marriage and you want to include them in, like, some portion of right. the ceremony, but then get rid of them at reception. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nothing get a, get a great babysitter or, like, or have them do something yeah. fun. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. All right. I already mm-hmm. asked. We already talked about this, but, but paper invitations or electronic invitations? Paper. paper. Yeah. Clearly Paper. <laughs> Paper. Okay. One giant cake for the wedding or like a smaller cake with many desserts? Mm. I love a good – I mean, I can't eat wedding cake. I'm gluten-free, but I love a good cake design. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. But I, I love all the desserts too. I don't know. That's a tough I one. Do. Both. I would take both. A big dessert <laughs> – a big cake with desserts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big cake, good design, and then all mm-hmm. the minis. Because I feel like yeah. the minis also may help with, like, the design, too. It could be um, a dummy okay. cake. Band or DJ. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. That could be – that's yeah. true. That could be <laughs> – it's just for show. Mm-hmm. I love that, too. Okay. Band or DJ? Mm-hmm. I say band. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, like, totally split down the middle. I think a DJ, like, the if you really, really, really want a party party, a DJ, totally. If you want, like, a good, mm-hmm. like, lively dance floor, but it's not, like, a party, I think a band. I don't know. A um, band can be a party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Like, but, a band brings so much energy. But the so band can get, can, be, can, get so, can get it so wrong. And then, it, like, can. but so can a DJ, I guess. But then I also think aesthetically, like, DJ fits with more aesthetic. Right. Choices, not, the band kind of dictates right, and drives all so the much of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I love a I love a good band. It, always yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I think it depends on like what I want to be dancing to. Mm-hmm. Um okay. All matching dresses for bridesmaids or different dresses? Different different dresses. Totally. Yeah. I agree. I know. I feel like people are still doing that, at least with my couples. And I'm like, can we do a little different? Okay. And this is kind of a longer one. Last question. What's the worst thing that you've seen or heard? It didn't have to happen to you, but you've seen or heard of happening at a wedding so that our listeners can learn to not have to do that. Oh, okay. 
I was like, I had a very funny story, but probably don't want to hear that one. I don't know. I think that, uh, I think the worst to me, like the, I think the time that I feel probably the saddest for clients, if that makes some, and not to be like Mm -hmm. Debbie Downer about anything, but it's when they're like their tribe, like their bridesmaids or the people around them just aren't supportive. Like they're always kind of like, like Mm -hmm. behind their back, like making like, you know, comments or the, tell they're always like putting her down. And she's the one that's consistently having to like get her maid of honor Mm -hmm. to do something. And and you could just tell that she's on edge and no one's really there for her. Like you're in a, you're in a room of narcissists, right? (laughs) That's basically what it is. And I've seen it and it's really, really hard. And, and I think that it's, I think picking your bridal party is very stressful because there's obligations, there's all these emotions and feelings behind it. And I would say have the uncomfortable conversation now. And that person, if you know that they're not going to make you feel comfortable and be happy and be relaxed on your wedding day, if they're going to incite drama, if they're going to make you feel less than on a day that you should feel wonderful, it'd be better to have that bad and hard and difficult conversation now than to experience that on your wedding day. Um, I was going to say that I think one of the, not like worst thing that we've had pretty tragic things happen at weddings, but one of the worst preventable things is that rambling drunk toast. Mm. Like when you have your maid of honor or your best man and you know they're going to drink too much and you put the toast like three hours into the event and it is this rambling, awkward, super embarrassing, incohesive thing where someone has to take the mic away, like Mm. just nix it. Like if your bridesmaid or or best man is one, too drunk for the timeline to give a toast, ask a father or somebody else. Or two, if you know that's going to happen because, you know, you came from like the college party Mm -hmm. crowd, then move it on up in the timeline. Mm -hmm. Do it like right after first dances before you eat and whatnot. So think through those things because it is awkward for everybody in the room. (laughs) It is. It is. And then Mm -hmm. it just kills the It kills the vibe. And then you're like, what the hell did they just say? <laughs> Why did they just yeah. do that? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I think the moral of the story is pick your people <laughs> yes. really wisely. Yes. Don't pick people that are going to like put a damper on the day for many reasons. And don't feel bad about the choices that you make because mm-hmm. it's obviously going to affect your day and how you enjoy it. So awesome. Well, Ladies, this was so much fun. I really, really appreciate your coming on the show. Before we go, can you let our listeners know where to find you all online? Yeah, well, we are all over the gram, but you can follow Anthem House at anthem.house and then our other wedding planning company at C&D Events. And then we're also on there with at Hustle and Gather and at the Bradford and C. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much, Courtney and Dana of the Anthem House. So happy to have you guys on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. It's been great. I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode with Courtney and Dana. I wanted it to be near the beginning of season three because I know that many of you that are listening are new to the show, and so finding a venue is going to be near the top of your to-do list if you haven't already done so. So if you have any questions about today's episode, make sure you send me a DM on Instagram at Ask the Planner Podcast, or you can call our new wedding planning hotline at 585 210 Three four six seven. Again, that's 585-210-3467. Also, I just realized that 
probably no one calls things hotlines anymore, do they? Am I really dating myself? Maybe, maybe not. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and let me know if you still hear the word hotline and what you think of our new format for season three. Also, who you would like to me for me to interview. Speaking of reviews, let's get to today's review of the day. So this review is from DC Cruise Lady. Ooh, does that mean that you live in Washington, DC? DC Cruise Lady? Anyways, we used to live there for 10 years before moving to New York, and I miss DC and all of its delicious restaurants, but not the Beltway traffic. My husband had really bad road rage, and I would just dread being in the car with him if there was traffic. But anyways, back to you. DC Cruise Lady writes, I find your podcast very informative. I love the information and I feel like you explain well. Five stars. Yay. Thank you so much, DC Cruise Lady, wherever you are for the awesome review. That is exactly what I aim to do with our podcast because compared to other wedding planning podcasts, I hope ours gives you concrete advice that you will actually use and not just a lot of fluff. So thank you. If you want to be awesome, also like DC Cruise Lady, make sure you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and include your Instagram handle. The Ask the Planner gifting suite is back open for season three, and I am giving away Amazon and Target gift cards, discounts to our wedding planning template shop, and so much more. If you don't have time to write a long review, that's fine. A quick five stars is always appreciated. Just tap the five stars, and you can also leave multiple reviews. So I would love any and all feedback, guys. Also, I haven't forgotten, y'all. We need a name for all of you, my amazing community of listeners. Taylor has her Swifties. Caitlin Bristow has the Vinos. What do you all want to be called? I love you all, and I think you all deserve a better name than just listeners. That's no fun. So leave me a review in Apple Podcasts, and the winning nomination will win a $50 gift card. No joke. I really want this you all to have a better name. That is it for today's episode on wedding venue shopping. I hope it was both informative and thought-provoking. If you want to reference the show notes later, double-check what you missed or just kind of go back to all of the links, make sure you check out the show notes at verveventco.com forward slash 70. Again, that's verveventco.com forward slash 70. Next week is our Halloween episode. We haven't had a Halloween episode yet, but I have pulled all of my wedding vendor friends and you all and looked back in my events archive and I am sharing with you our wedding horror stories. Cue dramatic organ music. So they will be both scary, but hopefully helpful for you all so you can avoid these traumatic experiences because I still get PTSD and start sweating when I think about them. So yeah. Anyways, thank you all again for joining me today. I love spending time in your earbuds or in the car as you're driving to work and would love to hear all of your feedback. So connect with me further on Instagram or TikTok at Ask the Planner Podcast. And I will talk to you all next week. Happy planning. Thank you so much for listening to Ask the Planner. To make sure you enjoy planning your heirloom occasion, visit asktheplannerpodcast.com where you'll find show notes and ways to connect with me. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe and please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so other couples can find the show and plan their flawless wedding just like you.